Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Thanks to Will Griffiths for that spirited introduction, and to you, dear listeners, for tuning in to our show. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, of course, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you, especially today, because Dragon Drone and Chuck Skull are visiting us for the third time to discuss special effects. Their impressive movie credentials include such motion pictures as The Planet of the Apes, The Scorpion King, Night Train, Conan the Bi- Barbarian, Chronicles of Riddick, Eraser, and many, many more. But it's interesting to note, folks, that Dragon, when he was only 10 years old, won a year-long scholarship to the Renaissance School of Art in Oakland, California. And now, all grown up, he's an expert in props, Costumes, weapons, miniatures, stunts, martial arts, and swords. And among his accomplishments are doing the props for Total Recall and choreographing the guerrilla fight scenes in Tim Burton's The Planet of the Apes. And Chuck is known for his work in Night Train, which I did see, and I'm still a little bit afraid of him, Under Lock and Key, and Death Riders. He also hosts some wonderful radio shows on the Wacko Network, including the popular Chuck's Golden Age of Radio, which is my favorite. Both Chuck and Dragon are already waiting in the green room, so let's bring them on now. Let's start with Chuck Skull. Chuck, welcome back to Movie Addict Headquarters. Hi, Betty Jo. How are you doing? Well, I'm so excited to have you and, and Dragon back on the show. It's always fun to have have you both with us. Uh, Dragon, thanks for agreeing to be a guest on Movie Addict Headquarters again. No problem. Uh, having a little bit of fun here. I've uh, been busy and working my buns off. Uh, it's just been uh, kind of... It's been a run. I, I understand that. You're, you're keeping very, very uh, busy. Well, of course, your expertise covers so many areas, as I mentioned. And um, it's just uh, wonderful that, that you can be here and uh, share your expertise and experience uh, with us. And I know that we talked about this, uh, oh, about six years ago when you guys were first on the show. But we have a lot of new listeners so I, I want um, to go back and ask you again to tell us each how you became in, involved with uh, uh, special effects. Uh, Chuck, why don't you go first on that? Well, me, I was in the right place at the wrong time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was bouncing in a bar down the street from a very small FX shop, and uh, they needed help building sets. <laughs> And that's how you got I, started. Yeah, that, but and, I'd always been a model builder, so 
you know, I, I showed them some cheats, and I actually had model paints in my toolbox. Oh, and um, how about you, Dragon? How did how did you first get uh, into the special effects field? Um, I fell into it through. Uh, I was a fine arts painter, and um, I had uh, I made stuff for my friends, and um, I ended up at a show. I ended up at a science fiction convention that my sister dragged me to, and um, I won. The first year I went, um, I almost won the best of show, and so I went back the next year and actually won Best of Show and was introduced to quite a few people. And for me, it was a hobby at first. I thought this was kind of a fun distraction because I worked for a bank, and then I also um, at certain times I'd worked as a casework counselor um, up in Seattle at Detox. And so I was like, okay, this is a fun distraction. And um, I was a motocross racer. By the time I was finishing my motocross career, I was getting into this stuff, and I started doing – all sorts of things, learning martial arts uh, from one of the people that was out there. And and it, it became this, I don't know, a, a kind of a furball of I went from being a, a guy doing regular work to my hobby became my life. And um, I started making more props and costumes, and then I started winning accolades all over the place for it. And then I got notice of some Hollywood people who basically said, hey, you know, if you ever come to Hollywood, you know, we'll get you started. And um, that's literally, I drove to Hollywood with like 300 bucks in my car and um, all the art and, and martial arts gear I could pack into it. And that's where it started, right there. Oh, wow. And how did you meet uh, Chuck? Chuck, did you start um, working with him on uh, films and in special effects or did you meet him some other way? We actually met on a on a rock video uh, that my girl was one of the main people on, and I just came to accompany her. But I always dress a little wild anyway, and, and the director of it uh, kind of liked me and had me standing there. And then I run into Skull, and, and what happened was literally I was playing with a Shania, flipping it around and, and, and doing it, and he walks up, and he looks at me, and he put out both hands in the proper order to ask me how to, to ask me to let him use my sword. And I hadn't had anyone approach me properly ever in L.A. And uh, the moment he did that, I turned to him and handed him my Shania. And uh, after that, it was on. <laughs> we, we ended up being from there on here. Is that right, Skull? Is that is that the way you remember it? <laughs> yeah, that led to two guys in the back of an ice cream wholesaler pounding the <laughs> snot out of each other with Shania's. <laughs> Which are, uh, yeah. well, you claim- if you're a wrestling fan, they call them kendo sticks. Yeah. <laughs> the Japanese practice well, you- swords for samurai. <laughs> well, you claimed on on your first show here, you claimed to be uh, brothers from what, what? Brothers from other mothers? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Twin, twin sons of different we, mothers, yeah. Yeah, we, uh, yeah. We discovered that. We just we we found we had a lot in common. Um, we just found that we both felt about the same way. Do your best, be a good person, um, you know, and and be good to kids. It's kind of like one of those things that we both went, hey, you you believe the same way I do. Be a good person to people. And, and he was a protector. I watched him, you know, keep people from being dumb to other people. And you know, even when I observed him as a bouncer, when I started working with him at, at Bordner's, he was always, you know strict but kind with people there, and that showed me, you know, his training and who he was. So 
you know, we just we just fell into being good buddies. Uh, it's still the same to me. I, if I see him tomorrow, it's still the same. You know, I I gave this guy my crew jacket when he left. You know, that's that's brothers. Yes, it is. And did you um, work together on any any movies, Dragon? Oh, he beat me out of a film when I first met him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> that was actually before I met you. <laughs> yeah, before we met. That's just kind of funny because we were comparing our filmography, and um, as it turned out, uh, that first film, I actually got called for, and he ended up doing the models on it instead of me. I went to another job working for a different company, and um, we ended up meeting, like I said in the video later on, but we ended up uh, on Demolition Man together uh, directly because Skull told me, hey, you need to talk to some people. And uh, he and I ended up running around on Demolition Man together. And so that was great. That was literally because Skull was like, here's who you call, blah, blah, blah. And that's how it goes with what we do. We call each other and go, hey, man, uh, this film's happening right now. You need to be here. They're looking for you. And so he called me for Demolition Man. You know, and on other stuff, you know, he would he would be working on something. I'd be working on something. We were working on rival films. <laughs> but... You know, for us, that's how the industry was. Everybody does the same thing. My buddy's won that bid over there. I'm over on this one. You know, and after it's all over, we end up talking with each other, going, oh, hey, you're on that one. You know, it's kind of funny because it's just how it works. Well, you can be references yeah, half for Half the time you work on a film, you don't know who else is there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's well. That that's great. That's a that's a wonderful uh, relationship. And um, when before the the uh, show started today, and uh, Chuck, before you called in, I just found out from Dragon that he's uh, been working on uh, one of my favorite uh, films. <laughs> I, I call it a comedy. <laughs> I call them a comedy, <coughs> and it's Sharknado. Did you know that he was working on Sharknado, Chuck? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We had talked about him working on those. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. And, those are very camp what, what films. What did you do, yeah. Dragon? What What well, did you do for Sharknado? I th- I know our listeners would love to know. All right. Well, for I hadn't seen Sharknado one or two, and I'd, I'd heard of them, but I I don't watch Sci-Fi Channel. I haven't watched much TV. I'm I'm usually too busy, truthfully. And what happened was my crew. Um, I have a bunch of kids, and um, they'll go out and cage jobs. They'll come in and they'll they'll work on something. I'm working on something different, but they you know we're all in the same shop. And what happened was they were working with someone who they had met on another film. When we did Star Trek Renegades, one of the designers on it, Khalees, um, called them and said, hey, do you guys want to work with us on Sharknado 3? So my guys ended up doing a bunch of the work on the van, a bunch of the guns, and a bunch of other props for it. And then in the middle of it, they, they came up to me and said, literally overnight, can you make a chainsaw arm? And I started laughing, but I'm like, sure. So I ended up making this chainsaw arm. Now, mind you, I worked on the Naked Gun movies, Naked, Naked Gun 33 and a third and, and, and those films. So to me, this was pretty much another Naked Gun. And um, it was fun. I actually had a good time uh, building this stuff. I didn't go to set on it. My guys did. And um, so we had a pretty fun time building stuff for Sharknado 3. That was cool. Well, they got called back again, and we ended up doing parts of Sharknado 4 more than I expected. Um, we they got the chainsaw arm again for 
for one scene, I guess. They used it for a film shoot that they showed up with where, where the, it propped up on there, and it was a question of whether April was coming back, and the shot was her with the chainsaw arm. And then I ended up making and designing a chainsaw lightsaber. Uh, they wanted a lightsaber-type chainsaw, and the main guy uses it, and it actually lights up. I didn't see it light up in the film. I saw a clip of it, but it actually lit up. The handle lit up, and uh, it glowed red right down the blade on, on all three of them. And then um, I made a couple other weapons. My guy Lucky built uh, built a bunch of stuff for it. Built the crate for it that the giant the giant uh, suit is in. And you know there was just tons and tons of stuff on that film that we ended up doing. And it was my guys were on set with it. Uh, we made the the uh, thing that destroys the Sharknado, the little the little red bleaky thing that was made out of parts that we literally uh, our friend Ped made overnight. That was how the whole Sharknado thing went. Was they would literally call and go, we need one of these. And my guys would be running around <laughs> going through boxes. Do we have something we can build that out of? You know, and so it's fun. It was like, like working for Roger Corman again. <laughs> you, know, but you think there will be a, a Sharknado 5? Oh, I'm certain there will, just because the, the these two were just so campy and people enjoyed them. I, I was stunned. I, at first I was like, well, don't know if I want to talk about these or not. But I actually thought it was funny. I went to the premiere of Sharknado 3, which was huge. They had it in Century City. You'd have thought we were having a Batman premiere. And they had, you know, paparazzi there taking pictures. It was hysterical. And uh, this time, you know, it it was, again, a bunch of madness, very quickly done. Um, And we were hearing every day, we need one of these made. Uh, Do you have one of those? You know, and you never knew because they were writing it as they went for some part. So, Wow. It, it's a ride. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, I, I really have uh, uh, found them to be a lot a lot of fun, and, and that's not actually in my wheelhouse, those kind of movies, but I always I always watch when Sharknado comes on. But I wanted to go back uh, also to some of the things that we talked about the, the first time that, that you were on the show. I think it's very interesting that both of you – have uh, been influenced by um, Harry Harryhausen. I wonder if you could. And I'm jealous. I think both of you have met him. Um, do I remember correctly, Chuck? Did you meet uh, Harryhausen? Yes, I did. Actually, me and Dragon met times on the same film. <laughs> yes. And I met him again. I got his. I got his autograph book at um, when I went to a big show that he was at. And um, I had the, the most interesting story from that is that they weren't allowing him to sign anybody's name personally to it, and there was no photographs to be taken. And I walked up, and I pulled a book out that blew his mind. I had the 1979 Fantastic Worlds of, you know, Fantasy World of, of Ray Harryhausen in plastic. And he looks at me, and he's like, you have that one? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. And I asked him if he would sign it, and I was there to buy his book, too. And it was kind of funny because he actually messed his own signature up on the book. He was so surprised I had it. And he, he apologized. He goes, oh, my God, I blew my own signature. And I'm like, it's okay. I understand. You know? so, so well, good for you. Good for you. And good for – well, those those movies, uh, I, I just love them. And um, uh, Chuck, now, when did you, when did you meet uh, this icon? It, it was about the same time. They had just uh... – remade one of his films and uh, he had been on the set as an advisor. Yep. 
I see. And what was um, what were some I'm of the films? Which... Was it Sin? Oh, Not oh, Sinbad. That's... His his first big film was yeah he did all the Sinbad films. His first big film was Mighty Joe Young. Yeah, I know. Excuse me, Son of Kong. Son of Kong was his first big one when he worked with uh, O'Brien. Yep, Mm -hmm. Willis O'Brien. And but he did the Jason, Jason and the Argonauts. I remember that. Yeah, uh, Uh, the original Clash of the Titans. Yeah, and I Tiger. Um, All the Harry Hosman films are being they're being remade right now. My my teacher, Master English, uh, did the. the Clash of the Titans armor for the new ones. And um, he did all the God armor that you see, all the, like, Liam Neeson's armor and all those guys. He did all their armors for that. And mm-hmm. he was telling me how how different it was, uh, you know, how, how much of a difference the film was. And for me, I, I've seen the new ones. I prefer the Harryhausen version. And honestly, I I just think it was the personal touch of everything that he had. His characters had personality. And even yes. his monsters, they were they had personality, you know. And that's it's like when you're playing a creature, when you know when you're told this is what you are, you become that as an actor. On Planet of the Apes, you know, we were gorillas for almost a year, and it's an interesting thing because um, we learned so much just playing those characters and those roles. And when I see, um, I actually it's funny a film that I did was it, that I did. I actually used Ray Harryhausen. Uh, films as a guide. I did a movie in 1996 called Robo Warriors, and it was filmed mm-hmm. in the Philippines and, and filmed in uh, the U.S. Some guy in the Czech Republic has put it up online. It's, it's only on DVD, only on, on a VHS, but somebody put it up on online. Uh, a really good copy. I saw it. And um, this film, uh, we were doing live action with giant robot suits that stood between 10 and 11 feet tall, and. Um, when I was talking with the guys, I was one of the I was the two main bad guy robots, and one of the other guys there, Evil Ted, uh, Ted Smith, uh, he is an incredible costumer as well and a performer, puppeteer, and we all got together. We were talking about how to make these robots look realistically robotic, and our whole thing was right back to Ray Harryhausen, and we thought stop motion. We we decided that we would basically take the stop motion idea and become stop motion characters. And the funny part of that is, is that, you know, we, we added hitches into our steps. Uh, we moved a certain way, and that was directly through, you know, looking at Harryhausen and stuff. Now, a couple of years later, I actually saw the film review that they put out on it, and it said, if you love stop-motion animation films, if you like Ray Harryhausen, if you like the, the Transformers, you're going to love this. And this was before the Transformers films that Michael Bay did. So this guy was hearkening back to both the – the ideas of the original cartoons where you had these giant robots and then the Harryhausen films that brought the things to life. Um, I did a suit of armor that was directly um, my, my tribute. I, I have a Ray Harryhausen suit of armor. It's a, it's a suit that I tribute to my, to my teacher, Master Rowe and Harryhausen, and its influence was the giant metal man, Talos, uh, stepping off, the, stepping off the, the statue base. Um, that will that that memory of that character just galvanized me as a child, and all I could think of was the giant metal man. How do you beat a giant metal man? You know, and he's got a giant sword that's bigger than your ship. You know, wow. and and when I did this suit of armor, 
it was the full face, and one thing I had to do was had to, it had to have articulated feet. And so um, the, the articulated feet had to be done that way. And for me, it was important, and I did that on the suit of armor as well. So well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned in um, one of our visits on the uh, on Movie Attic headquarters. You mentioned um, how uh, how challenging the work, the special effects work was in AI, artificial intelligence, and yeah. um, you, you both uh, praised that film for the for the special effects. And then I think it was Chuck who mentioned. Um, what a wonderful special effects movie Fifth Element was. Yes. So could could you Chuck? Could you talk a little bit about the, the Fifth Element and why you're you're so impressed with with that particular film? Well, they went really old school with uh, a lot of the FX in that. They weren't focused on CG. They were using practical yeah. effects, which you and I had talked about this morning on. Uh, the Wacko Network. Yes. yes. It was a lot of physical stuff nowadays, like the stuff Dragon had done with Terry English on the motorcycles. The neon on that would have done been done CG nowadays. Yeah, they, they, what they did with, with ours on, on that film, um, we spent three weeks building those suits. Um, the bikes were being built by... Uh, by uh, uh, another guy, uh, Derry. I'm trying to think of his last name. Um, he he built the bikes. Uh, Master English and I did the suits themselves. And it literally was he arrived for vacation, was walking down the ramp at LAX when Bob Ringwood called my phone and said, do you know where Terry is? And I was like, yeah, uh, he's walking towards me right now. And I literally uh, handed, the, uh, I handed the phone to Terry he talks his way down the ramp as we're going to get his luggage, and we went right from there to Warner Brothers. And um, we uh, had three weeks to build and design, and then Terry literally went back to England, and I was on that film until the end, uh, keeping the maintenance on the suits. I had to actually make changes on the faceplates and things that the designer, Bob would asked for. And then uh, I spent about a month on set at the, at the uh, Long Beach Dome, and um, it was amazing, truthfully. Uh, the people there, the the work you saw, um, Spielberg actually uh, ended up introducing himself to me because he wanted to see our work. Um, he said he was going to keep our suits, uh, the three biker hound suits, in his office. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, the truth of the matter is he did. Um, I archived for Warner Brothers, and when I went to the archives, I saw the bikes but no suits, and they had a bunch of the Haley Joel Osment dolls that were there from the actual shoot when they did you know, a lot of copies of Haley. And I was like, well, where are the suits? And they said, oh, Spielberg had them. They're in his office in a glass case. And I was like, really? And that's what I'd heard. But I, he had told me before he was going to keep them. And then to find out that he actually did keep them, that's impressive. You know, but, the, you know, walking around, I met Stan Winston, and, and Stan and I had worked on some stuff for Stan but hadn't worked standing next to him. And he actually came over to talk to me about our work. And... um we ended up talking about his robots. A lot of my guys, a lot of my friends were, were guys working for him at the time. And so it was really kind of neat to have a peer-to-peer relationship with him as opposed to just a worker relationship. He really liked our work. He was marveling at how it was done in all hand-hammered metal because he hadn't seen that stuff done in a long time. 
And um, the the best part, the cool thing about that was when I went to the final rap party, um, my wife and I were standing there just, you know, kicking back, and a young girl came up and asked, him, asked us if we could take a picture with her father. And I'm like, sure. And I turn around, and it's Stan. I have that picture. It is one of my favorite pictures of all time because I would have loved to have gotten a picture with him, but he asked us. That was so neat. That that just said to me, okay, <laughs> I win. <laughs> Great, yeah, great, great. Well, you didn't have so much fun working on uh, War of the Worlds. I I remember when you were talking about uh, trying to make water go backwards. Uh, Can you fill our listeners in on on that experience? Well, um, we ended up working with Stan Winston um, on another occasion, which was the War of the Worlds Tom Cruise film. And uh, it was they had so much to do that they – didn't have time to do certain things, and there were also things that were kind of boggling some of their crew, and one of the people recommended that we do it, and it was a scene where they needed a stream to run backwards. So we made a big chunk of ground on its own platform and set it up to have its own pumps so that the water itself could be to go backwards and forwards, um, and that would be basically running the pumps. The pumps would run the water through, then turn, then literally stop and start running it back the other way. So it was its own private stream. And then the ground had to light up underneath it, which was another thing. So you have to understand that when you're doing this kind of stuff, sometimes it's amazing. You're just left going, oh, my God, we have to do this. And the thing about what we do, and one thing that Chuck and I always learned was we don't really, we don't accept defeat on stuff like that. We just look at it and go, okay, how are we going to do it this way? I don't think, I don't ever come to stuff thinking, oh, it's impossible. I think of just how am I going to achieve it? And that's the way, you know, Skull always thought about everything we were doing, too, um, when we were working with, with, with doing our own prop stuff or, you know, even if we were trying to figure out how we wanted to go play with something, if we're going to sword fight or do something neat. It's always a matter of thinking it out. You know, yeah, see, well, people, really- like Dragon, people like Dragon and myself, we don't look outside the box. They never let us in the box to begin with. That's the truth. <laughs> Well said, definitely well said. Well, Chuck, you mentioned something about uh, Dune that um, I think you said you uh, did. Both of you work on on the movie Dune? No, uh, no, that was before Dragon hit L.A. Yep. Ah. And that's when I was working with Monumental Effects and uh, Les Bernstein, who ended up directing Night Train. Uh, I see. And what we had worked on was there's a scene in the film where. Uh, main character name is Gates at the time looks up at the moon and it splits in half and we did oh. that effect <laughs> wow that was an incredible effect though so. uh, that, that was a big 4 by 8 sheet of styrene see <laughs> 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 with a lot of plaster <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I think you you both are, are really good at um, reminding us how important uh, special effects are to movies, and and we're not talking just the, the the visual effects, you know, the CGI and all the stuff that's kind of taken taken over. It's these real things that you're that you're making. I mean, you talked uh, one of you talked about a limousine. I think this was in the fifth the fifth element 
that uh, yes. was just a small car. I mean, just a what four four feet car, <laughs> and when, yeah, when it's the, on screen, yeah, it's just it it just you know amazes me. It's truly truly um, magical, and um, we're we're going to take just a, a short break and listen to this uh, brief message. And when I come back, I'm going to ask um, both of you to uh, explain why you think uh, that special effects are so important to movies. Hi, comedian Nancy Lombardo here, host of Comedy Concepts, Blog Talk Radio. And when I need my movie fix, you'll know where I'll be found. That's right, every Tuesday at 4 p.m., listening to Betty Jo Tucker on Movie Attic Headquarters Blog Talk Radio. Show me the funny, Betty. Show me the funny. <laughs> Thanks to Nancy Lombardo for that that fun promo. And uh, I hope, dear listeners, that you will check out Nancy's very funny comedy concepts show that is uh, aired on Blog Talk Radio every Friday and Monday at 10.30 Eastern Time. Well, we're back live, and we're talking with Chuck Skull and Dragon Drone about special effects. And uh, now I'd like to ask them why uh, special effects are so important in the, uh, in the movies. And Chuck, why don't you uh, start on that one? Well, you know, you, just the basic fact that some things that just can't be done without FX. Uh, you know, and, and FX covers everything from rain in a soap opera. That's the FX crew doing it. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't rain that window. often in L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, how many wet streets do you see in these movies, but there's no sign of rain? Yeah. Okay? You know. It's, yeah, they go through a drought in California, but the streets are wet and rainy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was you know, it, thinking... it covers everything from acts of God to, you know, car accidents. Yeah. That's all the it's, FX crew. And well, you can't make a movie. You can't make a movie without the special effects. Do you think there's there's too much eff- emphasis on CGI? Now, is that I think they're actually the finding the perfect the perfect meld between practical effects and CG. Well, they're starting to, and um, yeah, that's the whole thing about that is is like I said, sometimes you get over effects, and people realize it's like it's so much you're just left going. I can't even tell what the story is. For me. I've always looked at effects. If you do them correctly, people shouldn't notice them. They shouldn't notice that it was an effect. They should think that it happened right there in front of them and it should be real. Right. Okay, when I look right. at a film and I go, and I, I think, obviously, that's not real. <laughs> Somebody missed their point. Yeah. Okay, for me. It's an elbow that sticks out in the film, and... And uh, when the special effects are done well, as they were, I thought, in um, in AI, I, I just thought, you know, they were just fantastic. Then it takes you into that world, and, and you stay there, and you're not asking yourself even how how did they do that. I mean, it just seems so perfect. 
and uh, you're right. You really yeah, well, can't if it's, have... if it's done right, it suspends disbelief, and, and that is well, the whole oh, point. Absolutely. Is you're showing things that just actually can't be done. Uh, a good example would be uh, when Lucas is Star Wars. Uh, there's a whole scene with thousands of extras, and nobody hires thousands of extras anymore. I know. I, that's why I got out of extras casting. I used to do a lot of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's that's true. Well, are there any recent, uh, because there are so many sci-fi and action blockbusters, uh, are there any of these that, that you've seen that have been your uh, your favorites, Dragon? Anything that that's playing now or recently released that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, well, let's see. My favorite thing that I've seen recently, and I guess it's not a recent, was Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, it was surprisingly fun. Um, I got burned out on a lot of superhero stuff. Um, but it was awful fun, and they seemed to have figured it out. I liked the characters. I liked the people. Um, it was a little bit fresher than most of the superhero movies I've seen lately, and they weren't superheroes, quote-unquote. They were people trying to figure it out and just happened to have this power here and there. They were having arguments. They were trying to get their stuff together, and, you know, that was pretty cool. Um, I'm getting ready to go see one that I'd like to see is Kubo and the Two Strings. That's one that yeah, some friends too. of mine, and I keep hearing good about it, even though the critics have said blah, blah, blah. I'm ready to go see it. Um, I look at films and I go, what's the value of the film? How how fun is it? Um, or I go, was it worth it? And, you know, for me, I look at things like I have times when I don't, I don't have very much time to go see a movie. And that one's one that's piqued my interest. That's one that I thought should be pretty good. Um, when I'm waiting for, um, my friends went and saw the new Star Trek. I haven't seen it. I've been too busy, believe it or not. Um, Rogue One is looking pretty good. Uh, I have some insight on that, and so I'm waiting to see that. Rogue One looks like it's going to be a very, very good story. They went back and did some reshoots recently, and um, that's they were trying to do things with the story. I think people are going to get a kick out of it. I think it's a, it, it harkens back to me to the second Star Wars movie where it was a little grittier, a little darker, and it was more right. adult as opposed to, uh, to children than like, the third film was. Okay, way back, you know, Star, Star Wars, I guess it's four, five, and six. Well, we, what we always thought of was one, two, and three. Um, right. But I'm, uh, I'm looking at those. What about you, Chuck? What about you, Chuck? Do you, have you seen anything lately? that uh, has uh, special effects that you would like to recommend? Well, one that you, you and I have both seen, uh, it'd be uh, Pride, Prejudice, and Zombies. Yes! <laughs> Yay! Yay! We loved that, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, Dragon, fear warning. Uh, Betty, Betty's as twisted as we are. She thinks Bruce uh, Campbell's uh, God, too. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I still have my book to dead. Yeah. I still have my autographed um, book of the day. So, yeah, there, there are certain things you keep right next to his action figure. <laughs> what? Well, well, that's what oh. Dragon and I both worked on was the Third Army of Darkness. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Mm. That, that Dragon was, was making that props, was a... and I was a deadite. Yep. 
that Bruce Campbell what, an, awesome. what an experience what an experience that that must have been you Ansel you know Bruce, one of my heroes Bruce Campbell both of you know him yeah, yeah uh, the first time I met him was on the side of Dark Man mm-hmm. right right because yeah. he's the last that incarnation is. after Liam Neeson walked off the set it was Bruce Campbell was Dark Man yeah. mm-hmm. yes oh I'll tell you, <laughs> I'll tell you something <laughs> That's Sam Remy's good luck piece. He doesn't like to do a film without Bruce being in at least one scene. Yeah. Like when, when Sam good directed thinking. Spider-Man, he he cast uh, Bruce Bruce Campbell as the uh, wrestling announcer that named him Spider-Man. Yep. Yeah. See, I, I think he's he's right on target by by doing that. Chuck, we've kind of ne- neglected what you've been doing since you got out of the field of special effects, and I'm, I'd like to take a minute for you to fill our listeners in about your wonderful radio shows and where they can hear them. Yeah. Well, uh, I do Chuck Skull's Golden Age of Radio right now, and I'm doing that on the uh, Wacko Network on Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern till 1, three hours of classics, The Shadow, Lone Ranger, Jack Benny, all that. And then Love Saturday it. nights at 10 p.m. I'm on 920 WON Apple, and then uh, Monday through Friday I'm on the American Patriot Network, and they're actually broadcasting the show as we're doing this one now. We, we, Yay! They're for picking American up the Patriot. live feed and doing it as a uh, simulcast. That's cool. I, this is a first. This is this is a definitely a first. So thank you to that network and to you, Chuck, for uh, for arranging it. And uh, we really do appreciate it. And I I want to thank you for the for the wonderful radio shows that you do, especially the the Golden Age one, because I, I that's kind of where I uh, became interested in showbiz. <laughs> <laughs> listening to those those shows that now I'm getting to hear over and over again, and I, I really do appreciate it. Well, I see our time has just gone by so fast. It always does when both of you are here, and we learned so much from you, and I, um, I'm going to make a uh, promise that we won't wait two years uh, to have you <laughs> back. We'll try to have you at least once, once a year, and I know that uh, Dragon has uh, a special film that he's just started working on that he can't even talk about so next time you're you're on the show dragon maybe you can talk about that but is there anything else that you would like to add uh, dragon before we wrap things up okay well real quick um i was working on star trek renegades which uh, star trek renegades came out uh last year people liked it uh, and we just finished the second and third episode to wrap it up it's just called renegades.show because because uh, Paramount said nobody can make Star Trek films anymore other than them. They're not Paramount, CBS. And so uh, we ended up wrapping it up, but it's actually pretty good. Um, I've been doing a bunch of stuff for video games uh, and for album covers and things. Yesterday, uh, Empire of the Sun, which is the band that my wife and I, we design costumes for, and I do I do Luke Steele's helmets for. They just dropped their new album cover called Two Vines, and they showed the, the print of that. And uh, my wife and I did... Uh, his helmet and his uh, his blue robe, and now we're going to be making more stuff for the tour. And um, let me see, I've just been busy. Uh, like I said, I just started a blockbuster film. We'll see where it goes. Maybe next time I'm on, I can actually talk to you about it. Um, oh, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad you're you're keeping uh, keeping busy. And Chuck, is there anything else you would like to add? 
Well, just that, uh, you know, I, I wish Hollywood had stopped making re- remakes. <laughs> yeah, now no, you and I have had. gone through that. <laughs> <laughs> we we should do a whole uh, show here on Movie Addict Headquarters about uh, remakes, and maybe we can do that uh, uh, within the next couple of months. So I'll be in touch with you about that, Chuck. But I see our time is almost up, so here's a big shout-out to Dragon and Chuck for being great guests again today, and to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, as well as to our chatters and other listeners, and special thanks to Nancy Lombardo, George Bettinger, and Angela Drake Perry for their enthusiastic support. They always mention Movie Attic Headquarters on their wonderful radio shows. Nancy, as I already mentioned, is the host of Comedy Concepts right here on Blog Talk Radio every Monday and Friday morning at 10.30 Eastern Time. George hosts the very entertaining Mom and Pop Shop show on TuneIn Radio from Miramar, Florida every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And Angela is a VIP and show host for the Wacko Network where there's some Something of interest for everyone each day of the week and weekends, too. And I think that's broadcast on Mixler, M-I-X-L-R. Please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies, folks. Our guest will be filmmaker Ben Cressyman, whose new thriller, Sunchoke, is winning rave reviews. I'm telling you, folks. It's that film is a perfect melding of style and substance, and it's a very unique psychological thriller, so I'm very eager to talk with Ben about it. In the meantime, please check out our reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's R-E-E-L, realtalkreviews.com. And if you haven't ordered my new book, Cinema Stanzas, Rhyming About Movies, you can purchase this Kindle ebook for only $3.99 on Amazon.com. I want to thank all the listeners who've already read the book and uh, commented on it. It's a fun resource book for fans of both poetry and film. That's all for now, folks. To close the show, here's my favorite rendition of, you guessed it, Hooray for Hollywood. <laughs> Yeah.
Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.